Welcome back to Bike Race Weekly. I'm your host, Ryan Gerard, and I'm here as always with my co-host. Rick Greenwald. Um, oh, Rick, you want to turn that mic? Oh, whoops. Yes. That's better. There we go. There we go. Um, oh, yeah. Starting up, off Ryan? the podcast. What's up, Rick? You know, same same old, just hanging out. We're getting into the you know fall, which is a great time of the year. We live in the Midwest. It's crazy, actually, because now would be like kind of nearing the end of the season and mm-hmm. it's it's a little weird looking back at the year and we didn't race once well, no that's a lie we did race we once. did race we raced a bmx race i raced three times uh rick raced three times but that's it out, that's out of the norm but it's kind of looking thinking back to when this all started you know we still expected toad to go off in june yeah it's really weird to think about. I, I think um, different people have different things where they kind of mentally frame their year around. And as two people that are heavily invested into bike racing, I think a lot of the times wherever we are in the year, I kind of think about like what bike races are going on. So, I, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, getting to the middle of October and I'm like, oh, it's it's cyclocross season. It's, it's full swing. And it's kind of weird just because, you know, cyclocross season for the most part in Wisconsin didn't happen. I think there might be one or two races going on i'm not really sure but yeah if they do go on they have to be independent that's right yeah so yeah it's just kind of a weird year and it's it's kind of a weird thing because we kind of got to fall and you know usually when we get to fall at this time of the year i'm like i'm like pretty burnt out from racing we usually have done a lot of road racing throughout the year maybe some other types of racing mountain bike racing whatever but you know usually we get to about this period and we've done one or two cyclocross races for fun and we're kind of just hanging out and enjoying like you know a nice year of bike racing but not really the case this year i guess yeah um i'm i've been looking forward to next year hopefully things start going off again next year um it's actually really so we uh anna and myself we officially signed up for half ironman madison oh baby it's on the calendar it's on the calendar nice uh We've been like kind of checking periodically when the registration would go up for that mm-hmm. because we are worried we wouldn't be able to get our registration in because everyone from this year's half Ironman got an automatic registration to next year. Yeah. So we were worried. I mean, we figured at minimum 50% of people probably would push their re- uh, registration next year. So we wanted to be like in the first group of people to lock it in. That's smart. Yeah. yeah. Besides that, we we are hoping. So this is a little bit more. We'll see if it happens or doesn't happen. There's a half Ironman in at High Cliff. I'm sure that'll happen. And then another one in Green Bay. That as well. Um, I'm really looking forward to those as like practice races and build up races. So like I'm not going to go into those races and try to hit what i want to hit for half iron man madison i mean they're pretty far out but it'll be a really good time to be like all right let's make sure i can do it in like the first one maybe like five and a half hours like that's a, mm-hmm. yeah. like for what i want to do that's pretty slow but then the next one maybe do like five hours or 445 mm-hmm. or like five hours for the first one 445 for the second one and then my goal for half iron man madison is 430 yeah, it's hard to set a goal or even pace if you haven't done the <clears throat> the race setting yet or the actual event. And once you get once you get one under your belt, I think you'll be kind of um, 
aware of what you can and what you should do for your, you know, your target amount of the year. And they're pretty well spaced out too. So, you know, after you get those two early ones under your belt in Green Bay and Highcliff, I think you'll be able to, you know, kind of like take a second deep breath and then refocus for the last uh, target race of the year at, at Madison. Yeah. And right now, I mean, we're a year out from half Ironman Madison and I'm feeling really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. My swim is down to a 135. And that's, I'm nice. really bad at swimming. Uh, I shouldn't say really bad at swimming in a pool, but yeah, doing the, the thing about the pool that messes me up, up is they have to like stop, turn around and go like push off. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot flip to save the life of me. You don't want to break your ankles. Well, every time I do that's it, what I'm get, worried about. So like I, try i blow out my nose you know blow air out my nose but i always just get a ton of chlorine right up my nose no matter how much i try blowing out i know i'm doing something wrong. i mean you're not a pro swimmer you don't have to do that there's no reason And i was just like why am i yeah that's kind of what after like trying to do this for a while it's just like why am i doing this i don't need to be able to swim in a pool you know so with with being really bad at turning in a pool i'm still able to push out a 135 uh, 100 and my goal would be to do a 30 minute half Mm. you know a uh, 1.2 mile swim Mm, which a 130 per 100 would be a 30 minute so right now i'm at about a 135 with being slow pushing off the wall pretty solid then uh my bike i mean i'm pretty confident with my bike so i'm not too worried about that um, I've been, my arrow position's pretty dialed. Uh, I can do, you know, I've done 21 miles per hour just out on a ride before. Mm-hmm. So on, you know, race day, I'm not too worried about doing like a 23 mile per hour pace is I think what I need to do. And then I'm, I can do like a pretty consistent seven ten mile. Well, and like you said, you've got a whole year now to work yeah. on it. So, you know, and that's there's why no I, rush, plenty of time, yeah, right? That's why I feel really good is yeah, because solid. like right now I feel you're really motivated and like I think I really dialed in my schedule, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm actually doing a low volume plan. Feeling good about that? Well, it's crazy because a low volume plan is minimum eight hours a week. Yeah. You know, so it's not nothing. So it goes from like, you know, it starts like the first week will be like eight hours, mm-hmm. but then it'll push up to like 10 and a half hours. Yep. So even though it's like a low volume week, I'm training more than I did for bike racing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I'm very, I'm very fortunate that we have a pool like oh, a mile from our yep. house. So, I mean, I don't have too much like travel time. Like some people have to travel 20 minutes to the, to the, the pool, yeah. you know? So, very fortunate with that. Feel very motivated. Um, I'm getting closer and closer to my goals, mm-hmm. and I'm still a year out. So, I mean, I'm I'm doing pretty well. Feeling good. I'm feeling really good. Nice. That's good to hear. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, feeling good. Um, I mean, yeah, like you said, there there hasn't really been a lot of racing. the The only racing that I've done this year is BMX racing, which has been something that's we've kind of talked about. That's new for for all of us, like you, myself, Matt, Nick. You know, we all tried that. And I, I think I found that I really enjoy that a lot. And I was actually going into like this time of the year as well. I, I always think like, all right, so you know, what, am, what, are, what am I kind of focusing on for 2021? Like, what are my next year's goals? And I kind of like kind of been stuck on the question of like, do I focus a little bit more and spend more time um, racing BMX and, and kind of training for some BMX? Or should I kind of 
look at doing like a full season of mountain biking. And, and for us, like the big series in Wisconsin is the war series, series which is Wisconsin off-road. And I've kind of had like a, a bit of a tough time like figuring out which one I want to do because I feel like they're they're so different from each other. You would think that they're both kind of like, you know, bike and technical skills. But, you know, for BMX, it's a sprint sport. So you, you're just like, even when you go riding, you're just doing sprint after sprint after sprint. And that's like, I've, what I've kind of found is that's super taxing. So then later in the week, you know, if I do like a BMX ride on Friday, go to the track and ride. And then I do like a mountain bike ride on Saturday. Um, I'm like cooked. Like my legs feel like absolute garbage. So it's kind of hard to like balance the two of those. So I'm kind of trying to figure out like, which one do I want to spend a little bit more time doing next year? Should I do some more mountain biking or should I really focus on BMX? What are your thoughts, Ryan? Do you want to tell me what to do? Um, so I think ultimately it's kind of what, what do you enjoy doing more? That's the problem. Um, I like them. I like them both, you know, just for different reasons. Yeah. So I can only give you my perspective. So I'll just say off the back, I think mountain biking would be my choice. Mm, okay. Just because, um, I think the infrastructure's there. It's, it's got a very wide audience in Wisconsin. Um, I kind of feel like BMX, especially in the older category is like, I mean, it's not a very like widely sought after thing. Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's kind of true. Like the, the most of the kit, like it was actually kind of funny. I was like riding at the track last Friday and I was like probably the oldest person riding by like 10 years. And at at one point I'm like, am I like, am I supposed to be here right now? Like, should I be doing this? And that's kind of, that's kind of what I was thinking too is, you know, like I enjoy going with you guys to the track and stuff, but, um, when it comes to like what you're going to put your time into and Mm -hmm. what you're going to, I think, I do think BMX is very beneficial to mountain biking. Oh, for sure. I think I, I, it, it doesn't help the fitness side of mountain biking at all. I think it's like very different than that. Like maybe your sprint, right. But in a mountain bike race, you don't really sprint that much. Um, but it's really helped me. Like I've gotten a lot better at like, um, body position and being able to like pump through sections of a mountain bike trail and like find speed without pedaling. I think that's been like super beneficial. So I think regardless, like, and you make a good point. I do agree with that. Um, I kind of do. It is fun to like do something that more people do. Like we do have a lot of friends. We all ride mountain bikes. There's more like people we know that ride mountain bikes. It's just, you know, there's more places to ride mountain bikes around here too. This is good talking to you, Ryan, because you're, you're very convincing. And, and now I'm kind of coming around to it. But no matter what, I'm definitely going to keep BMX, I think, in my in my like training because it's paid huge dividends on my bike handling skills. Well, see, that, that was going to be my next point is I think you could really do both. You know, I, I mean, they have races when the tracks actually like open and running at full capacity. Yeah. Not they do races, I think two or three times a week. They do. You know, yeah. there, there's no reason you can't, you know, do two or three nights at the track still. Yeah. That's you a know? good point. Yeah. Maybe if you're trying to do the entire war series, that might not be, um, possible all, all the time, mm-hmm. but I mean, certainly you could go race once a week. And like, if, you know, there's two races, you know, a week apart, that's like your one training day and the other days are easy riding, mm. you know, just to keep the legs hot. Yeah. All right. This is making a lot so of sense. I, I, th- I think you could do both. All right. I'm going to, you know, that's, that's why I ask you these questions, Ryan, you're the voice of reason. So, uh, 
I think I've got my mind, my mindset then it's going to be more of a year of doing some wars racing and kind of having that as the focus. And I've never done a full season of it, which is pretty cool. Like I'm actually, it's something new to me, even though I do a good amount of mountain biking, like I've not done the war series before. So in general, like I'm, I'm pretty stoked to try some of those races and follow the series. Some of the races are, are a little farther away, but if you live in like the Wisconsin, the, sorry, the Madison or Milwaukee area, you're kind of lucky. Like I'd say like six out of the nine races are within one to two hours of driving. I would almost say the farthest one is like two hours. Oh really? Yeah. That's by reforestation, right? Um, that's kind of a reforestation. That's only like a two hour drive too. Yeah. But the farthest one would be either nine mile or the race in Eau Claire. That's yeah. two and a half hours. And I, then, th- well, I think nine mile because nine miles in Wausau. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's like an hour and a half, two hours from here. Okay. So yeah, the Eau Claire race, Wausau and reforestation mm. but still like you could you can still go out there and camp the night before yeah okay next question should i get a hardtail or a full suspension next year that's a good question and the, hot the, topic hot topic and and i have a great bike i really like my bike but i knew i wasn't gonna do a lot of racing this year especially with covid it's a full suspension raleigh xc bike but it's aluminum so it's heavy so I'm thinking if I'm going to do some more racing, it's got to be for sure lighter than my current bike. And then that opens the door for, do I go full suspension or hardtail? So, um, I can't, okay. So there, there's a asterisk here. Mm, I've never raced on a full suspension. Okay. Um, but for a while, uh, I thought I was very limited with a hardtail Mm. and I wanted a full suspension. And I think that changed once I got a dropper post. Interesting. Now that I have a dropper post, I don't in Wisconsin, in Wisconsin, I think this is very specific is in Wisconsin riding. I don't think a full suspension is better over a hardtail with a dropper. And I would say riding in general in Wisconsin, um, like I ride a good amount of trails and a good variety of trails and some trails are, they're more like jump oriented and you're kind of like doing some flow stuff. And in that case, you're always going to want a full suspension bike or a trail bike. Right. But what I've noticed is that because we have very little like natural elevation, like no mountains, no huge Hills that we have like long descents down. Um, I find myself really slugging it up the climbs with the full suspension bike and even not even like a weight, a weight issue, but just like kind of losing some of that efficiency. I also don't have an electronic lockout. So I think I, I also like your thought there hardtail with the dropper posts gives you a little bit more shreddability on the downhill. And then you get all the, the climbing comp- compliance of a hardtail. On the yeah. Uphill. I would, I would honestly say carbon hardtail with a dropper post. Yeah. And you and, can probably get one used for whatever you're looking at. Yeah. Well, and I think that kind of segues us into our next topic, which is, you know, I was checking out some of the, the mountain bikes and I know you've, you had a similar experience, but maybe with a different kind of bike, checking out some of the new mountain bikes on let's, you know, track and specialize website. And I swear there used to be, I would call it, um, entry level race category where you're getting a bike that is a race grade bike, but you could say it's maybe on the more, the more like basic side of that category. You used to be able to get something that was super solid for like $1,500, whether it was road or mountain. I don't think that exists anymore. Like kind of the most, the most entry level affordable price point I was seeing was like two to $2,200. Yeah. I think 
I definitely think it because I remember getting my first uh, race road bike was a carbon Madone back in I think it was 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time ago. <laughs> um, I paid fifteen hundred dollars for a carbon 105 bike Madone. Yeah, and which I, was their race bike. I a remember, carbon race bike. Yeah, and I remember a couple of years ago too. Um, you used to be able to get like a which is kind of discontinued, but a Trek Superfly aluminum bike which was like, you know, 26 or 27 pounds, but like that's super competitive. You used to be able to get one for like, I want to say like 16, maybe $1,700. And now the the cheapest um, hardtail is like 2000. So yeah, that seems to be pretty standard across road yeah. and mountain. Yeah. Even cyclocross too. Like my first cyclocross bike was $1,600, like brand new. Um, it was, and it had disc brakes. It was, uh, it was a Crockett with 105 on it. And I think I'm generally kind of bummed about that category being gone. And I think it happened. I think that category specifically that kind of sticks out in my mind is like it disappeared. But even for a lot of the other bikes I see, it feels like everything is just moving towards the high end. You know, it's, it's interesting because uh, I was watching a like a 20 minute documentary thing about the it's called the Iron War Oh, which yeah. was it was a the of it. 1989 Kona Ironman race. D- Dave Scott and um, um, Dave Scott and S- Mike or something. Mike Scott. Oh, Dave Scott was was and was the other guy's name Scott too? No, it was Dave Scott and I. There's probably me. someone listening that just like Bang screaming man. out the name Dave Scott versus other 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 athlete. guy that. They both won like six Kona Ironman. Anyway. And, okay. So, and the announcer, so this was like when it f- was first being broadcast on like an actual channel that people could watch on. Right. Right. And the, the commentator was like, these bikes cost upwards of $3,000. Yeah. And it was just like supposed to like blow people away. Like, oh my gosh, they spend $3,000 on a bike. And nowadays it's just like, oh, you want to get into biking? Okay, it'll cost you three thousand dollars. Yeah, it's you know, it's kind of I don't I don't think anybody it's anybody's actual like fault too. Like I don't mean to come off as a curmudgeon. I think it's just like as years go by, like technology becomes such a, and I think it's been like ex, like exploding in bikes more so with more aero carbon frames, disc brakes are now on everything that it's just hard to find like you know every everything gets expensive and i think a lot of these companies just can't justify carrying non non top of the line stuff anymore yeah because once you get to a point where you're you know like the person that's going to buy the three thousand dollar bike probably would just buy the four thousand dollar bike so there goes a three thousand dollar bike but it's also crazy you know because i don't think we are the demographic to who they think is buying bikes I think it's more well, middle-aged people. We definitely aren't the demographic that buys bikes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy because I would say I, you know, ride my bike more than about 90, 95% of people that own bikes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I'm not in that group of people that are willing to spend like the for the $5,000 bike. But I think their demographic, that's what, you know, that's what they're finding is that, you know, if the people that are going to buy a nice bike are not going to buy the entry level bike. Yeah, for sure. So the people like us, we'll we'll try everything in our power to find somebody that can get us a deal on a bike Yeah, and and capitalize on that. 
because we don't really have money for like a four thousand dollar bike you know what i mean yeah so but the people that have a four thousand dollar bike they're probably also willing to spend five or six thousand dollars on the bike that they really want yeah so they're nowadays they're like all right throw carbon wheels on it throw uh you know the uh, electronic shifting like throw all the bells and whistles on it so that people can look at this bike and just be like that's that's the bike i need yeah you know you look at the new special specialized sl7s yeah the tarmacs that just came out they sold out instantly right i mean these are like ten thousand dollar bikes that they just sold out instantly on the pre-orders yeah i mean it's it's kind of wild too because if i i would consider cycling um an adult hobbyist sport so there are certain sports that are really popular with like an adult demographic. Cycling for sure falls into that category because the you know like people can do it into their older ages, and and then that might sound insane like a ten thousand dollar bike, but in reality, like compared to a lot of the other hobbies that I I know of people participating in, like I mean I came kind of from a motorsports background, a ten thousand dollar bike, and then you just ride it and then maintain it once in a while really doesn't cost that much if you in the in the grand scheme of things as a hobby in general when you can start to compare it to other hobbies but at the same time you know people find a reason to spend more money on everything you know i think it really goes to show with the whole e-bike craze because i'm surprised Dude, I e-bike i would absolutely take an e-bike well that's what Sorry. i'm saying is i'm surprised by by the amount of people that have e-bikes nowadays i see them all the time and those are not, I mean, those are, are in the two to $2,500 range. I will tell you what, they are way more affordable than I thought they were going to be, especially like nice e-mountain bikes because mm-hmm. the weight component doesn't matter as much anymore. Dude, like a really nice full suspension, like with beefy shocks, e-bike is like $5,000. That seems like extremely affordable. If you're talking about how much utility that you'd get from that bike and how good of a bike that is, the same bike, um, in the non e-bike version will cost the same amount of money because it has to be carbon everything super light uh the suspension's got to be tuned way more finely because the bike is lighter and the rider is going to make more like smaller movements on it um it would it just surprised me like dude i could not believe how seemingly affordable e-bikes actually are yeah and it's crazy because like you know now uh, e-bikes are not for people that are into cycling they're for the people that um see it they realize what they can do with it. Like I, I'm the people that never thought they'd get into cycling now have an entry into cycling. And it's, it's amazing how many of those people are now willing to spend the $2,000, on a basic e-bike. Yeah, like, I think it goes to show how, how many people in their demographic are willing to just, you know, spend the money to get something that they absolutely want. Yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. I, Which I, is why, like, if we go back to why I don't think that, like, the entry-level $1,500 bike, I mean, $2,000, it kind of makes sense with, like, yeah. inflation and stuff, but still, like, the entry-level price is continuously going up because I think that the entry-level consumer is it's, it's kind of starting to go away or maybe they just realize that, like, there's not the drive for that level of bike as it is for the mid-level bike. No, I would for sure agree with that. Um, and just like something that I just thought of too, I'll, I'll say the thing that is really tough about the, we'll call it like the expensification of cycling is that I I used to kind of, I feel like I used to be able to have a mountain bike, a road bike and a cross bike. And they were all like relatively affordable they were all raceable, like competitive bikes. Doesn't matter what race I'm doing. Like they would all be 
totally fine. I feel like that's not really possible anymore. At least like I feel like with bikes getting more expensive, people are going to own less bikes. And if you think about it, I guess most people don't own multiple bikes. Most people own one bike. You know, if you're in a mountain biking and that's your thing, like a lot of people just own a mountain bike. It's only like the people that are super into racing all year round own like more than one bike essentially. But yeah, dude, it's getting harder to like, like I was even thinking about like, oh, I've had my road bike now for a couple of years. I was just looking around. I'm like, what if I were to like kind of consider getting like a different road bike just to try something new? And yeah, I mean, you just nailed it. like the entry level is really high for a different road bike. So like I can't really justify having a $4,000 road bike and a mountain bike and a cross bike. It's like at some point it's like, man, one's got to one's got to give. You know what I mean? Yeah, I actually have recent because I really want to get a tri bike now. Uh-huh. But then I'm thinking like hard to justify the road bike, the mountain bike, the cross bike, the BMX bike. Right. And then on top of that, getting a tri bike, and I was talking to someone, I think I was talking to Adam, and he's just like, sell one of your other bikes. And I was just like, could I, do that. I don't think I can. Because, like, I guess I could sell the cyclocross bike, but I'm going to get to cyclocross season and wish I had Wanna a cyclocross bike. Yeah. yeah, for sure. That's the problem with bikes, too, is that um, you can, like, be riding your road bike all year, and somebody calls you up and it's like, let's go on a mountain bike ride. And you can just pull out the mountain bike ride and ride it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or sorry, you can pull out the mountain bike and ride it. Like, it's not like, it, you know, it's not like, like cars or something where you're just driving one car and, you know, somebody's like, oh, well, let's drive here. And it's like, okay, I'll get my other car. You know, like you can basically always justify having a bike, which is that whole, you know, N plus one meme at this point. Right. And I get it though. Like I was thinking about that too. I'm like, oh, Maybe I uh, maybe I don't need one of my bikes. Maybe I want to get like a really nice mountain bike next year. But then I'm like, well, I use all my bikes. So like that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. Even for like my, my, my cycle cross bike, because that would probably be the bike that went. Yeah. Um, we just went on a bike packing trip and you yeah. used it. Also, yeah. too, like that's the bike I ride when I go out, out with Anna. And because we, like I can't my. So what I've learned with like the arrow try setup. Uh-huh. Like you can't really just go out and like go for a ride on that thing. You right. have to be in your position because you can't like ride it like a normal road bike and be comfortable. You have yeah. to be kind of in that aero position forward on the, on the nose of the saddle in order for it to be like comfortable or set up properly. Right. And otherwise like I'll get back pain and stuff because the saddle is really high. Yeah. But, but you it's not meant to be would, would like you, sat back where you're supposed to sit on. Would, would you ever finance a bike? No, I don't believe in financing. Stuff even if like you that. had zero zero percent interest, I didn't even I didn't even finance my car. Because Trek, I know Trek and Specialize, and probably other brands too. No, you just buy a bike, just pay the monthly, and then zero percent interest. A, I'm not saying as I'm a man not, who went I, through who has a finance degree, I highly recommend never doing that I, i'm not saying you should i'm just saying it, it's always an option it's always an option but yeah i i, mean, I kind, of kind of agree just, though it's like if you yeah. can't afford it now if you can't afford um, it with cash you sh- especially with something that's i mean in the grand scheme of things for things that you're going to take debt out for yeah uh, a bike is not you should have the cash for not a, a great liability i mean i i tell people you should have the cash for a car you know, mm, yeah, something that um, many people can't do. <laughs> I mean, well, but that's fair a, enough. Fair I enough. I mean, that's yeah. the whole. I mean, yeah, we're kind of getting off topic. Yeah, off topic. Yeah, off topic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right. Well, I don't even. Yeah. So 
tri bike maybe sometime in the future, maybe next year, but it will be paid for in cash. Oh, for sure. What is yeah. the most you'd spend on a tri bike? Um, I, I'm really hoping that I can find a good used one. Dude, best time to buy a used one is after the Madison Ironman. Yeah, a little too best. late though. <laughs> well, and next year, I I'm mean, hoping. Yeah, I'm, or I'm, or any swear any Ironman, mm-hmm. like the best time to buy is right after you get to go to that area. People cross it off their bucket list. They want to dump their tri bike, never look at it again. They let it go for pennies on the dollar. You would I'm be hoping. shocked. Yeah, yeah, I'm really hoping. The only thing too about like a tri bike is the more I get into triathlon, the more gross things that happen on a tri bike that don't happen on like a road road bike, Mm, you know? Um, It's very gross. Like all the sweat and bodily fluids that get onto that bike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, triathlon's a so gross sport. I'm it is a gross it. sport. Gross. It Dude, is a disgusting. You watch sport. triathlon; it's just like sixteen hours of people pooping and peeing themselves. And yeah, it's like congrats, you you did a twelve hour yeah. Ironman and you get, pissed yourself. They should like, give they what? should give medals for people that cross the line that haven't defecated themselves at exactly. One point. Why are that? See, that's the that thing. should be a medal. I didn't think that was really a thing. I thought people I didn't think so got either. off at a stop used the restroom yeah. and kept going i also they just lost assumed, a minute but who cares i just assumed oh if you're exercising all day why would you need to go to the bathroom like you're because you know i'll go for like a three-hour bike ride and then i'm for some reason my body just doesn't have to go to the bathroom that bad but i guess not the case for everybody at least it definitely depends on the temperature and 12 but, 12 plus hours is a long day so you know you got to poop sometime i guess Everybody I mean, poops, Ryan. Everybody poops. Yeah, but unless you're going for the win. I mean, Dude. okay. No, no, no. Um, Lucy Charles Barkley, who took second in Iron Man, stopped and used the restroom. Three times. I think she did it twice. Twice, okay. Two or three times. Still got second at, at Kona. If she can do it, you all can. Yeah. It's a long day. It's a people long have, day. People have peeping. One minute. One, one, one minute's not going to save you. Quick story. We were doing a... Um, we were doing like a, it was a, a Grand Fondo, let's call it, charity ride. And we were riding with some buddies, not taking it super seriously. We started in wave four or five. In no way were we trying to race people or, or win or even compete. It was a Fondo. We were one of the few people that stopped. So yeah, we, it was crazy. Like two hours into the ride, um, it was about two hours into the ride, I think. Uh, yeah. We, at the base of this, this like, um, climb we were again way four. there's been no bathrooms there's been no rest stops we're pretty far into the ride and we stop to use the bathroom the entire group just keeps going but it's really nice because like they yeah. have a bunch of bathrooms and they have like this whole but, smorgasbord of like food and drinks but and stuff my point is we were way four and nobody stopped to use that bathroom there were no more bathrooms until like for at least 30 miles at least 30 miles there were no more bathrooms I remember the rest stop that we finally stopped at where there was another bathroom. And I remember when wave five eventually caught up to us, I just, I passed one guy. And the first thing he said to me is, Oh, do you guys come from wave four? And we're like, yeah, you know, we use the bathroom. And he's like, Oh, I just pissed myself. And I'm like, what are you doing here, dude? Like you're in wave five. Why? Uh, why wave five of Grand Fondo. Why are you peeing yourself? Just start in wave three. Oh my gosh. Use the bathroom. Yeah. You know what I found with all those kind of like, unless you're in wave one, Pretty much the speed is the same for all of them. So yeah, if you start sure. in like wave two, halfway through, stop, 
take a piss, grab some food, grab some water. Go go to and wave then just three. wave for th- wave three. Yeah, it's great. And then go with wave three because you great. know what? it's not going to be I'm, like I, I don't I, I'll never understand. It. I'll never understand it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, Ryan, I think we should probably wrap it up. Um. Going for a little bit now. Thirty-two minutes. Yeah, that's a pretty good time. Oh, okay. I don't know. It felt longer for some reason, but yeah. All right. Cool. Well. You can find us on all your favorite socials. Most of our updates are going to be on Facebook, but we do have an Instagram, a Twitter. Um, you can get us at bike race, bike underscore race underscore weekly on all your favorite platforms. And yeah, Ryan, do you have anything else before we uh, wrap it up? I don't think so. Uh, right. Good episode. Good episode. All right. Thanks, everybody.